Lesson number 101, Surah Al-Anfal, ayah number 59 to 75. And he should never think. He should not think at all. Noon mushaddad, definitely, meaning not at all. Who should never think at all? Alladina kafaru, those people who disbelieve. What should they not think? That sabaku, they have escaped. They have gotten ahead. Why should they not think like that? Because in Nahum, indeed they, la not yu'jizun, they will cause failure. Who can they not cause failure to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mushrikeen who came to the battle of Badr, 70 of them were killed, 70 of them were taken as captives, and the rest of them went home safe and sound. Meaning they managed to get home safely. So those who did manage to get home, they had the sense of pride that we returned safely and we were not defeated and we are fine. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who have escaped should never think at all that they have sabaqu. Sabaqu is from sabaqa. Sabaqa, to go ahead. Like for example, two people are racing and one goes ahead of the other, so he wins the race. So these people should never think that they have won, they have gotten ahead, why? Because innahum la yarjizun. They have just managed to escape this one time. They cannot cause failure to Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can very easily catch them, punish them wherever they are. Innahum la yarjizun. Yarjizun is from the word i'jaz, ain jim zay. Rijz is weakness. I'jaz is to make someone weak. To weaken the other. To defeat the other to make them incapable of doing anything. So the fact is that they cannot make Allah and His plan incapable. In other words, their multitudes, their temporary success should not deceive you, O Muslims. Today, they have great numbers. Today, they may be happy and safe. But the fact is that when a person turns against Allah, that he can never survive for long. Today he can survive, tomorrow he can survive, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him time to live, but eventually he will be caught. We see that Abu Lahab, he didn't go to the battle himself. He hired someone and sent him. But what happened to Abu Lahab? A week after the battle of Badr, he died. So, innahum la yu'jizun. They can never cause failure to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan. And the fact is, that the religion of Allah, Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent it. Why? So that it is established. لِيُظْهِرَهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّهِ So the Muslims, they may suffer from weakness. They may even suffer from defeat. Their enemy might be more powerful than them, stronger than them. But the fact is that Islam can never ever be defeated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent this religion in order to establish it. So what do we learn in this ayah? That if a person is doing something wrong, and he has that freedom, he has that chance, then he should never think that he can prosper. He should never think that he will be fine. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving him a chance right now, but this chance will be over soon. Ultimate success is with who? The one who is in the way of Allah. Ultimate success is for who? For the righteous servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
But does it happen sometimes? That we feel so outnumbered and so weak in whatever situation that we're in, that we feel like we're going to fail? If we obey Allah, if we follow the religion, we can't go far at all? Many times we think like this, but this ayah teaches us the exact opposite. Those who are disobeying Allah cannot go far. Look at what happened to Fir'aun. Was his blessing not changed? Look at what happened to Abu Jahl. He came so arrogantly that from today, the Muslims are not going to be able to worship Allah. We're going to finish them. We're not going to return to Mecca until we have slaughtered our camels, until we have had our feasts, until we have finished the Muslims, until our you know, singing women have sung to us, and until we have had all this alcohol. We're not going back. He was so determined. But what happened? What happened? He didn't even go home. He was killed in the battle. And it is said that he wasn't fully dead when the battle was over. He was still in the Sakaratul Maut. He was still in that agony, basically close to death. And one of the companions found his body. And he was still alive. Abu Jahl was still somewhat alive. So he wanted to finish him off. So Abu Jahl said, cut my neck from like really low so that when you put my head, then make sure that my head is the tallest. It's sticking out from the rest. So proud, so arrogant until the last moment, until the very end he was. But was he victorious at the end? No. What happened to that shirk? What happened to all those practices that the mushrikeen had implemented in their society and they were living by it. What happened? Everything finished. Everything finished. So, innahum la yu'jizun. So we should never think that if we're sinning, we'll be fine. And we should never ever be impressed by those people who are sinning and disobeying Allah. Because we see someone, he's making money through wrong ways and he has wrong relationships or whatever. He's cheating others and he is dishonest and we think at least he's happy at least she's happy right and here I am in my hijab with this little bit of money that I'm making sitting with my Quran and what do I have nothing so at least this person is happy so I should try to become like them nothing happens you know it's just people have scared us if you eat haram then this will happen and if you do this this will happen who knows if there's even Jannah and hellfire Shaitan starts casting such doubts in our hearts. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us, إِنَّهُمْ لَا يُعْجِزُونَ They can never ever cause Allah's plan to fail. Allah is just giving them time, respite. And very soon that respite will be over. وَأَعِدُّوا And prepare. لَهُمْ for them. For who? For the enemy. أَعِدُّوا is from the root letters. عَيْن دَال Dal. What's the root? Ain dal dal. What does adad mean? What does adad mean? Adad. To count. So, number. Remember? Iddatashuhud. The number of months. Okay? So it means number. Now, when you're preparing something, what do you do? Do you count? When you're preparing something, do you count? Yes. Like, for example, let's say you're preparing some food. Okay? Then do you count? What do you count? Huh? The number of people who have to eat that food. What else do you count? How much food you need. So for example, if you're cooking rice, then you count, okay, how many cups of rice should I 
cook. Right? Likewise, if you're baking something, then you're counting everything. You're measuring everything. Which is why sometimes some people don't like to bake because they say you have to be so precise about every little ingredient. If you mess it up even a little bit, it'll be a mess. Like I remember a long time ago when I first started cooking, I was going to make cookies. Okay, and I thought, yeah, baking soda, how much do you need? Two teaspoons, wine. So I took like two huge tablespoons and I put it in. You can imagine what those cookies must have tasted like. Forget about their look. Imagine their taste. You couldn't even have them. So the thing is that when you're preparing something, then you must count. Correct? And you must count properly. So, أَعِدُّوا Prepare, prepare fully. What should you prepare? لَهُمْ Against them. Against your enemy. What should you prepare and keep ready? مَا Whatever istata'tum You are capable of. Whatever is within your capacity. Whatever is within your istita'a. What is istita'a? Capacity, ability of a person. Meaning whatever you can muster. Whatever you can produce. مِنْ قُوَّةٍ First of all, قُوَّة Strength. Secondly, وَمِنْ And from رِبَاطِ الْخَيْلِ So two things you must prepare. And how much should you prepare? As much as you can. How much should you make ready? As much as you can. It's like somebody tells you their guests coming. So prepare food. How much? As much as you can. So what does it mean? There's a whole lot of people coming. Okay? So every every bit of your strength, every ounce of your effort, whatever you can get together, put it together, prepare. Two things are mentioned over here in particular. Prepare quwa and prepare ribat al-khayl. What is quwa? Power, strength. And quwa is basically anything by which you gain strength, anything that aids you, anything that helps you. Like for example, if you are, let's say, working somewhere, and your work involves sitting for long hours and doing something on the computer, let's say. So what quwa do you need? What is it that will aid you the most in your work? A computer. Correct? If you don't have a computer, can you do your work? No, you can't. You really can't. Then after that, the softwares. After that, everything else that you need that will help you in your work. Right? So this is what quwa is. And in particular, the Prophet ﷺ, he said that, أَلَا إِنَّ الْقُوَّةَ الرَّمِّيُ That quwa is a rami. What does rami mean? To shoot. So in terms of warfare, because this ayah is talking about war, since the context is of war, and remember that Badr was the first battle, and the enemy was defeated, and went home very disappointed and angry, and it was only expected that they will return. Okay? So you have an enemy, this was the first of many battles, the enemy will return, so you be ready. You prepare from now. What should you prepare? Quwa. What is quwa? Shooting. Whether it is through arrows or whatever, it depends on the time, on the era. The Prophet ﷺ said, lands shall be thrown open to you and Allah will suffice you against your enemy. But none of you should give up playing with his arrows. Meaning, make sure you learn archery. Make sure you learn the skill of shooting at the right target. Because it's a very important skill. And this is why Umar ﷺ, he said, teach your children three things. 
swimming, archery, and horseback riding. Hmm? So he insisted that children learn these things. So anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet ﷺ to tell the Muslims that they should prepare for future battles. And the first thing they should have ready is quwa. Secondly, ribatul khayl. Ribatul khayl from the root letters ra-ba-ta. Do you remember the word ribat? Isbiru wa sabiru wa rabitu. At the end of Surah Ali Imran. What does rabt mean? To tie together. Right? And from this, the word also means to guard. Guard what? The borders. Okay? So, ribat al-khayl, khayl are horses. Ribat al-khayl are the steeds of war, the horses that are trained for war, and they are tied up. What does it mean by they're tied up? Meaning they're ready. They're ready. They're ready for what? To go out any time that they have to be taken. Because remember that where people need training, horses also need training. Okay? Like for example, if there's a football player, then what are they doing? Months and months from before. Body training, right? They're physically training themselves for that endurance. And what happens before or during the game also, what are they doing? Training, practicing. Many times if you're watching a game on the television, you'll see one of the players is going crazy with the ball, throwing, throwing, or with the bat, shooting. Why? They're practicing. Correct? So ribat al-khayl is to keep the horses tied, meaning they are fully ready so that any time during the day or the night, they can be taken out. Okay? So two things are mentioned over here. Quwa and your means of transport. Quwa and your means of transport. Keep it ready. وَأَعِدُّوا لَهُمْ مَسْتَطَعْتُ مِنْ قُوَّةٍ وَمِنْ رِبَاطُ الْخَيْلِ Why should you keep all of this ready? Shouldn't you just prepare when the time for battle comes? Like a day or two before the battle, then prepare then? Why should you be prepared from now? Aren't you wasting your time by starting preparation so early? What's the purpose? Because physical training, okay, you cannot get in just one day. Alright? If your body is all tight, can you just go on a marathon the next day? You can't. You gradually build your endurance. You go for half a mile run. Then you go for one mile run. Then you increase it gradually over a period of several months. And then you can go for a marathon. Correct? Because whatever skills we have, whether they're mental or physical, what happens? They begin to rust. Correct? So they need time to build. So this is why, first of all, prepare from now. Because you never know when the enemy will come. I mean, the battle of Badr, it was not planned. Was it? It wasn't planned at all. So you never know. The next battle might come up very soon. And what if you're not prepared? So prepare from now. And this gives us a very important lesson in life. That if you see something is coming up in the future, then don't wait until the last moment. Prepare from when? From now. So for example... When you get your lesson, okay, don't say, yeah, when the test comes and I will sit and study. Because then what will happen? You can't possibly memorize the meaning of half a juice in one night. Can you? It's not humanly possible. And if you do that, then I'm sorry, your test is not going to go that well. So if you want to be prepared for your test, what should you do? Do your lesson as soon as you get it. Correct? Which is why if you do it like that, then when the test will come, all you need to do is just review. Correct? 
and you're more calm, you're more prepared for your test, you can focus on the things that you're weak at, and by this you're actually improving. Otherwise, what happens when we just prepare for the test? We prepare, we memorize something just until the test has to be taken. Soon after the test, what happens? We forget everything. Then it doesn't benefit us. This kind of knowledge doesn't benefit us at all. So this is one benefit of preparing from before. Secondly, you never know. You might not have time to prepare. Right? Like for example, you think you can study the night before the test. But what happens? You find out the day of that there was a wedding you had to go to and your mom forgot to tell you. Can you avoid it? No way. You're not allowed. You have to go. So then what are you going to do? Skip the test. Right? And you're going to skip it and then it's going to be deferred and deferred until you give up. So, أَعِدُّوا Prepare from before. Always be ready for what is coming. And the benefit of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, is that تُرْهِبُونَ You frighten from rahab. Rahab is fear. You will cast fear and terror. Bihi by it, by what? By all this preparation. Who will you frighten? Allah, The enemy of Allah. وَعَدُوَّكُمْ And your enemy. Notice, Allah's enemy and your enemy, because it's the same. If someone opposes the wali of Allah, who are they opposing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you will frighten the enemy basically. The enemy will be afraid of you. Because if the enemy finds out that you have everything prepared for battle, then they're going to be nervous. Instead of thinking about what to do in order to progress, they're worried about the fact that you might attack them. So they can't go forward. You understand? Because if you have this fear, somebody is going to hurt me. Can you focus on your work? Can you focus on developing yourself? You can't. All your focus is on what? Defending yourself. So you are going to frighten your enemy like this. And as a result, you'll be victorious. And also, you will frighten who else? وَآخَرِينَ And others. Which others? مِن دُونِهِمْ Besides them. Meaning there's some other enemy also, besides the people of Makkah. لَا تَعْلَمُونَهُمْ You don't know them. Allahu يَعْلَمُهُمْ Allah knows them. Because this enemy has not yet appeared to you. Who is this enemy referring to? They're the munafiqin, that's true. Who else? Even the Yahud. Because remember, this is Battle of Badr, second year after Hijrah. Soon, many things were going to happen in later years. So with all of this preparation, what are you doing? You're warning everybody. Those who have declared their enmity against you and those who haven't yet appeared as enemies to you. You're warning everybody that we are prepared, so be careful. Allahu ya'lamuhum. Allah knows them, meaning your enemy. And remember that the companions, they had to prepare for battle with which money? Which resources that were falling on them from the sky? That the angels were bringing to them. Which money? From their own pockets from their own pockets. And think about it, people who had recently migrated with growing businesses, okay, young families, these people are spending on what? On war. Money that they might never see again. It was not a business. It was not an investment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages the believers 
that وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ شَيْءٍ Whatever you spend of anything في سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ in the way of Allah يُوَفَّ إِلَيْكُمْ It will be returned to you in full. وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تُظْلَمُونَ And you will not be wronged at all. Meaning, you will not be treated with injustice. You spend anything in the way of Allah, Allah will give it back to you. Allah will give you much more in return. So this is a promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because many times it happens that in order to prepare ourselves for the future, we are learning something, acquiring a skill, studying something, and we're spending money on that. And a person might feel like, I'm wasting my money, I don't even have enough. But at that time, don't fear. Don't have this fear. Because remember, whatever you're spending now is what? An investment. Because think about any person who's studying. Let's say a person who's studying medicine. By the time they graduate, what do they have on their heads? A big loan. Or if they don't have it, then what do they have? Their parents' bank accounts are at zero. Literally. Because they want to keep away from haram, so what do they do? They spend out of their own pockets. They haven't bought any furniture in many years. Every single penny is going on what? On helping their son, their daughter become a doctor. And then what happens when she becomes a doctor? That inshallah risk will come. Correct? So why is it that people willingly spend? Because they know it's an investment. They know it's going to come back to them. So وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ شَيْءٍ Anything that you spend في سَبِيلِ الله, In the way of Allah, it will be given back to you and you will not be treated with injustice. وَإِنْ جَنَحُوا And if they incline. جَنَحُوا from جَنَحَ To incline. If they incline لِسَّلْمِ To the peace. Meaning the enemy is inclined to making peace with you. The mushrikeen of Makkah, they say, we don't want to fight anymore, we don't want to have any more battles, let's make a peace treaty. That we're not going to have war for these many years. So if they come up with such an offer, what should you do? Say, no, 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 we have all these preparations and now we are going to fight you. Should you do that? No. Allah says, فَجْنَحْ لَهَا Then incline towards it. Meaning, then accept it, go for it, and make the peace treaty. And if you're afraid that they're just making the peace treaty with you so that you stop from warfare and they attack you, then what should you do? وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Trust on Allah. إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Indeed, He is the hearing, the knowing. What do we learn over here? These ayat that you have a threat. You just had a battle. And the enemy returned unhappy. The enemy is going to come back again for sure. So don't be very innocent. What should you do? Prepare. Be ready. What should you prepare? Whatever that you can. However, realize that if the enemy, if the enemy wants to make peace with you, then battle is not a must. War is not a must. If they want peace, then make peace and refrain from warfare. So in other words, war is what? One of the means of obtaining peace. You understand? This is in our religion. Because in the Qur'an, what do we learn? Fight until there is no fitna. What is fitna? Persecution. Right? So fight until there is no persecution, meaning you should fight until the power of the enemy is broken. They cannot persecute anymore and there can be peace. That's the ultimate goal. Peace. Security. 
But if you can obtain that peace and security without war, through a treaty, then make a treaty. Clear? Is it clear to you? Because some people they say that Islam is very barbaric and Islam is very pro-war. Because there are chapters of the Qur'an that are dedicated to this. Surah Al-Anfal is actually one of those chapters. But if you study this surah, what do we learn? That war is not a must. It is reserved for when? For the times when war is necessary. I mean, obviously if the enemy is coming against you, you need to pick up your weapons and go defend yourself. And you need to be ready from before. But remember that the ultimate goal is what? To have peace. And that's what we see, what the Prophet ﷺ did. When he migrated to Medina, what did he do? He made a peace treaty. Correct? And then the mushrikeen of Makkah, many battles with them until Sulh Hudaybiyah. Correct? What happened at Sulh Hudaybiyah? One of the clauses was that there will be no battle between the Muslims of Medina, mushrikeen of Makkah and their allies for how many years? For 10 years, no battles at all. And the Prophet ﷺ accepted that. He made that treaty. Even though many clauses of the treaty were actually against the Muslims, where they were not in favor of them. Like for example, if a person goes from Medina to Makkah, then the people of Makkah have to welcome him and they should not send him back. But if a person goes from Makkah to Medina, then the people of Medina have to send him back to Makkah. Okay? Now, this was something very difficult. But because the treaty brought peace, no war, the Prophet ﷺ accepted it. And remember one of those companions who came in chains? And he said, please help me. I'm being tortured, I'm being abused for my Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ, because the treaty was made, or because there was greater benefit in that, he had to send that companion home. Inshallah, we will learn about that in more detail later. But we see that the main purpose the main objective is to have peace. So if you can attain that through a treaty, go ahead. And if the enemy is not listening, they don't want to talk even, they're just raising their weapons against you, then you have to do the same thing also. You have to defend yourself also. So, وَإِن جَنَحُوا لِسَّلْمِ فَجْنَحْ لَهَا وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمِ Indeed, he is the hearing, the knowing. And if they intend, meaning the enemy intends, that they deceive you, how? By making the treaty, and then because you're at peace, you're not preparing for war, they come secretly and attack you. Then, then remember that indeed, sufficient for you is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is sufficient to help you, to keep you safe. Because huwa, He is الذي, the one who ayyadaka, who helped you. He is the one who helped you بِنَصْرِهِ with his help وَبِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ and through the help of the believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthened you. He aided you with the special help that He sent your way. And what is that referring to? The angels. And He also helped you through who? Through the believers. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has helped you until today, you think Allah will abandon you in the future? No, He won't. Keep your trust on Allah and Allah will keep you safe. So what do we learn over here? That make peace and be hopeful that inshallah things will work in your favor. And if the enemy is going to prove treacherous, then don't worry. 
Allah will protect you. Because Allah has protected until now by His special help and also by surrounding you with who? Mu'mineen. Which believers were these? The companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Who, even though they were very few in number, very few in number, but what were they like? What were the characteristics of the companions? Okay, they were believers. How were they different from other people? Yes. They were very firm and steadfast. How else were they different? Yes. They were very loyal. They were very, very loyal to the Prophet ﷺ. So much that Abu Bakr anhu, he wanted to go with the Prophet ﷺ on the journey of Hijrah. And when the Prophet ﷺ told him that let's go, he wept. He cried out of what? Happiness. That I am going to go with the Prophet ﷺ on this journey. He wept out of happiness. Any other person would be crying. Any other friend would be like, I'm sorry, I love you, I support you for what you're doing, but I don't think I can help you in this. Don't we have friends? We have friends, right? They help us in many situations, but there are also many times when they say, I'm sorry, can't help you here, can't do anything for you here. But we see that the few people who were around the Prophet ﷺ, so dedicated were they, so loyal were they, so honest were they, so loving that a few of them were enough. Which is why we see that one of the mushrikeen, he was sent as a spy to check what the Prophet ﷺ, how he was and how his companions were, what they were doing. And when this man went back to the mushrikeen, he said, you should give up of any hope of turning the people of Muhammad ﷺ against him. Because I have been to the courts of the Roman king and the Persian king, but I have never seen such loyalty in the supporters of a leader as I have seen in the supporters of Muhammad ﷺ. He hardly says anything to them that they run to obey him. He gives them an instruction and they immediately respond. They're so loyal. They respect him in the way they address him, in the way they speak to him. They respected him so much. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you have these believers with you. This is great praise for the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. And when you have these few people with you, then you don't need to fear. Then you don't need to have any fear that your enemy is going to harm you, your enemy is going to deceive you. Because remember that if you have a few sincere friends, they're much better than a crowd of insincere people. Isn't it so? You could have just one friend that you sometimes talk to, you sometimes hang out with. But because of their sincerity, because of their love, you're much happy like that. Instead of having 50 friends who are talking against you and doing backbiting and making fun of you and hurting your feelings, what's the point? We go for numbers, right? Which is why we want to make sure that we have the most number of friends. But the fact is that what is little and sufficient is better than what is more and distracting. The angels, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends two angels every day to make this announcement that, O people, rush towards your Lord. Rush towards your Lord, meaning obey Him. Go towards Him. Don't go away from Him. And they say, فَإِنَّمَا قَلَّ وَكَفَى خَيْرٌ مِمَّا كَثُرَ وَأَلْهَى What is little and sufficient is better than what is more and distracting. If you have a few people around you, and they're enough, 
That is much better than having a whole lot of people around you that will distract you for your whole life. So you can't focus on anything. Because every few minutes you're getting text messages. Every few minutes you're distracted. Every day you have to respond to a party or something. And then you have to invite people over. And then you're just stuck in this cycle. You're not happy. Your heart is not in it. So what's better? Having 50 friends like that or having one friend? Who if they send you a text message, it's at least something good. What's better? What is little and sufficient. That is much better. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforts His Messenger that don't fear. He helped you before with His special victory and also through the believers. وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ And He brought together their hearts. أَلَّفَ يُؤَلِّفُ تَأْلِيفِ هَمْزَ لَامْفَ Ulfa is basically love. And ta'lif is to create love. When love happens between people, then what happens? Their hearts are joined together. They are united. So alafa yu'allifu ta'lif literally means to be united, to be joined, to be combined. So with love, there is also unity. Love ties people together. And hatred rips people apart. Isn't that so? When there is love, people will come together. And when there is bias and hidden hatred and grudge, then what will happen? Even though people are apparently together, there are distances apart. Correct? Even though two people are living in the same house with the bond of marriage between them, they're not on the same page. They're in two different worlds completely. Why? Because there is no love. So, وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah says, He joined together their hearts with love. Whose hearts? The hearts of the companions. And because they love each other, the Ansar, the Muhajireen, they love one another. This is why there's so much unity, so much loyalty, that this is enough for you. Previously, before Islam, what was the case of the Arabs? That they loved someone just because they were family. And they hated someone just because they were from a different tribe. This is what was the reason behind love and hate. And because of this reason, we see that they were constantly fighting against one another. You had no problem with another individual. But just because they are from a particular race, from a particular tribe, from a particular background, you have a bias against them. Does this happen today also? Oh yeah, all the time. You find out that, oh, there is this one person, they could be a potential spouse. And what happens? People find out that, oh, they're from this country. Oh, they're from this racial background. No way, not at all. Immediately a big no. A big no, without even checking. Without even speaking to the person. Right? And even otherwise, a person looks like you, meaning same skin color, similar skin color, and then you find out they're from a different tribe. And then instantly we start reading into things and we start misunderstanding them. There's instantly a bias that we have against them. Hmm? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah is the one who joined their hearts together. And this was nothing less than a miracle that it happened in 7th century Arabia. So if you think about it, the mushrikeen on the other hand, hmm, they were still fighting against one another. They still had divisions. In Medina, who was there? The Muhajirin and the Ansar. Immigrants who were welcomed by the locals of that city. 
And what kind of love did they have? Of brotherhood. The Prophet ﷺ established the bond of brotherhood between certain companions, the Muhajirin and the Ansar. And this level of friendship and love is not found anywhere else. If you think about it, any country where there are immigrants, how do the locals receive them? How do they welcome them? I mean, almost all of us are immigrants here. We know exactly how sometimes we are treated. Right? And uh, not all the people are like that, but some people are like that, right? Just have a bias against you for no reason. And alhamdulillah, in the country that we're living, we're very happy, we're very fortunate. But in many other places we see racial tensions. Because the locals are not willing to embrace the immigrants. But we see in Medina what happened? The muhajirin that came, they were loved by the Ansar. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is praising that. وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ If you spent, O Prophet مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Whatever that is in the earth, jami'an, all together, if you spent everything that is on the earth, on who? On these people, to win their love, to get them to love each other, would you be able to do that? Would you be successful? No. Allah says, مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ You could never have brought their hearts together. You could never have united their hearts. Because the thing is, that you cannot get the love of others through money. You cannot win people's hearts by money. How do you win people's hearts? How? By showing respect to them. By accepting them the way they are. By being charitable towards them. Right? Like for example, if somebody buys you a big gift... And instantly you're very grateful. And you think that they're your friend. And then what happens? That big gift, accidentally you drop it in front of them. By accident. If they say, are you okay? Everything fine? Then you know that they actually love you. And if they say, what on earth are you doing? They start yelling at you. Then what do you do? Please take it back. I don't want it. I don't want it. You can keep your things. I don't want your stuff. Correct? Isn't that so? So how do you win people's hearts? By spending money on them. No. You win people's hearts by showing love to them. And how do you show love? Through your words, your actions, your forgiveness, your tolerance for their stupidities. Right? This is how you show love. And if you start picking on their mistakes and you cannot let go, then you don't love them. And even if you say you love them, they're not going to believe you. So the Prophet ﷺ is told over here, لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ If you had spent all the money of the world, you could never have joined together their hearts. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ Allah has joined their hearts together. Allah has brought this unity in them. إِنَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Indeed, He is mighty and wise. So what do we see? Unity is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
You cannot make it yourself. It's a gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to people. Which is why we learn in hadith that when Allah wishes good for a people, then He places gentleness in them. Gentleness in them. So when they're gentle with one another, then they can forgive each other, they can appreciate one another, and this is what will create love and unity in them. And when something evil is intended for people, then what is made common amongst them? Harshness. And when there is harshness, there will be hatred. There will be no friendship. Correct? And that family, that group, will fall apart. It cannot stay together. So unity is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is given to who? Those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good for. And who does He wish good for? Those who are obedient. In the Qur'an we learn, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ سَيَجْعَلُوا لَهُمُ الرَّحْمَنُ وُدَّا Surah Maryam, Ayah 96. That those people who believe and do good, Allah will place, Allah will create love for them. Where? In the hearts of others. In the hearts of those who are around them. So they will love them. They will win the hearts of others. لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ إِنَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Indeed, He is mighty and wise. Many times we see that parents, they'll spend on their children. Buy them anything they want. Why? So that their children can respect them. Their children will love them. Their children will be loyal to them. But what happens? The children go the exact opposite way. Exact opposite way. They start demanding even more from their parents. They become even more rude. They pressurize their parents even more. So, what's missing here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not showing mercy to that family. If we want Allah's mercy, then we need to be obedient servants of Allah. Because when we will show obedience to Him, then He will create love for us in the hearts of others. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ O Prophet حَسْبُكَ اللَّهِ Sufficient for you is Allah. Allah is enough for you. And Allah is also enough for you. For who? وَمَنْ And whoever اتَّبَعَكَ Follows you مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ From among the believers. Allah is sufficient to help you, to aid you. And also those who follow you from the believers, Allah is enough to help them. Meaning those who follow your way, whether they come 10 years after you, or a thousand years after you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also help them the way He has helped you. حَسْبُكَ اللَّهُ وَمَنِ اتَّبَعَكَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Also we learn that this ayah means that O Prophet ﷺ, Allah is sufficient for you. And who else is sufficient to help you? Those who follow you from the believers. Meaning, apparently they're few, and they're weak, and poor people, with very little resources. But because they are believers and they follow you, they're loyal to you, they are sufficient for you. They are enough for you. You don't need a crowd around you. You don't need thousands of people to surround you. What you need is loyal friends. Ya أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ O Prophet ﷺ, حَرِّضْ Incite, urge, instigate, encourage. Encourage who? Al-mu'minina, the believers. Encourage them to do what? Ala al-qital, to go for battle. Encourage the believers to go for battle. Why? Because battle is difficult. 
And the thing is that it's not ideal, but the situation is such that you are going to be facing many battles in the future. Badr was the first of many. So encourage the believers so that they can do this despite its difficulty. What does this word harid mean? Harid is from the root letters ha-ra-dad. Harada yuharidu tahrid is to encourage someone to do something. But how? Emphatically encourage them. Continuously encourage them. Strongly encourage them. And harid is basically to encourage someone to do something so that he will not be harid. Who is harid? Harid is someone who is close to destruction. So it is to encourage someone to do something before they are destroyed. So in other words, do something for their own good. Make them realize that they have to do it. If they don't do it, they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be ruined. So encourage them. Because there are many things that we don't want to do in life. But the fact is that they're necessary. Right? They're necessary because if we don't do them, we're going to fail miserably in life. Like for example, when you're in school, what do your parents tell you? Just study. Please study. Because it's very important. You don't realize how necessary this is. You'll appreciate later. So the parents, they keep encouraging the children because they know if the children don't study, where are they going to end up in life? What are they going to do? How are they going to have a family? How are they going to live an easy life? It's going to be very difficult for them. So if the son says, that's it, I don't want to study anymore. I don't want to complete my high school. The mother says, okay my dear son, I respect your choice. Yeah? If you say in your third year university, mom, I quit. I'm not going to complete my degree. What will she do? Okay, my dear, it's fine. Just don't cry. Yeah? What is she going to do? She's going to encourage you. She's going to keep encouraging you. Because she knows if you don't do it, you're going to be ruined. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your talent. You're wasting your future. So likewise, realize how necessary qital is for the believers at this time. And please encourage them to do it. And make them understand that in if yakun it is, minkum from you, ishruna, 20. Don't hesitate because of your few numbers. Because realize that if there are 20 among you who are sabirun, who are ones who are patient, meaning who have the courage, who are determined, who will remain firm, who won't give up, who have sabr to continue, then these 20 men among you are capable to do what? Yaglibu. They overcome. How many? Mi'atain. How much is mi'atain? 200. 20 of you believers who are sabirun are actually capable of overcoming 200 from your enemy. What's the ratio over here? 1 to 10. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the believers, that you have this potential. You can reach this far. You can be this successful. But what's the condition? Sabirun. You have to have sabr. in and if yakun he is minkum from you mi'atun, a hundred, then yaglibu, they can overpower alfan, a thousand min alladina kafaru from those people who disbelieve. Why? Bi'annahum qawmun la yafqahun. Because there are people who don't understand. Meaning your enemy doesn't use reason. They just come with a whole lot of crowd. And they just like to show off their money and their numbers. They don't use any strategy. They don't have reason. So you can easily overcome them. So what do we see? What's the key to success? Patience. 
You know when we learn about very successful people in life, people who have reached like great heights in their careers or they've gone really far basically, we think that there's some extraordinary people who are very intelligent. They're not normal. Hmm? They have different brains. They're just a different species maybe. But the fact is that what are they? Normal human beings. They're not necessarily extraordinarily intelligent. What makes them different from the rest of the people is just a few things. And what is that? One of the top is sabr. They have the sabr to wake up early. I'm not talking about Muslims only. I'm talking about generally people who are successful, they wake up early. They don't wake up at 7.30 in the morning. They wake up at 5 o'clock. They wake up at 6 o'clock. And what do they do? They work on self-improvement. They work on themselves at that time. Whether it is exercise, or it is meditation, or it is reading, or it is anything that they do, their own personal stuff, and then at 8 o'clock they go to work. And they work on work. But if you think about it, in our day, we're only working on work. We don't have any time to work on ourselves. Assalamu alaikum. Um, an extremely famous author, he's like one of the world's top, Stephen King, he had this quote that um, talent is as cheap as uh, table salt. It's those that work hard that make it to the top. Yes. Talent is as cheap as table salt. Meaning it's, it's not that difficult to be successful. It's just that you need sabr. You need patience, you need determination to go far, to be successful. Just yesterday, I was uh, reading a blog, Zen Habits, and I encourage you to read it as well. And it's amazing. Go on the about section about the person, the author of that blog, and just read about him. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at who he is, what he's done, his accomplishments. We think successful people are like, oh, they've got three PhDs and they're professors and they've done this and they've accomplished that. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. If you have the determination, you can go very far. What is needed is sabr. If you think about it, a well-trained, patient and calm teacher can control 25 children from 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And an impatient mother cannot handle one toddler for one hour. Isn't that so? What's the difference? Patience. What's the difference? Determination. What's the difference? One has accepted her role. These children are under my care. I'm supposed to teach them. She's efficient. She has a strategy. The whole day is planned. And as a result, what happens? The children also pick up very quickly. But that mother is pulling her hair out at home because she doesn't know what to do with the children. Because she hasn't accepted her role, that she is a teacher of her children. She has to make use of her life and her children's life. Her concern is, put food in their mouth. So that they can sleep for two hours so I can watch my favorite show. Huh? This is what her concern is. So she is miserable, her children are miserable. So what is needed is sabr. That is what makes a person successful. Ibn Abbas said when this ayah was revealed, it was difficult for the Muslims, for they thought it was burdensome, since 20 should fight 200, and 100 against 1,000. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this reading easy for them, and abrogated this ayah with the following. And what is that? Al-ana khaffaf Allahu ankum. So now, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has lightened it for you. Meaning He has lightened this hardship for you. Made it easier for you. What? This challenge. This expectation. That you are expected to overcome 10 people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reduced that burden from you. وَعَلِمَ And He knows that أَنَّ فِيكُمْ ضَعْفَ That indeed among you is weakness. Meaning, there is still some kind of weakness in you. Everyone cannot be like the Sahaba. Right? Everyone cannot have a high level of faith, a high level of patience and determination. In a group of people, as the numbers grow, there are those who are determined and those who lack that determination. Those who are patient and those who lack that patience. So Allah knows there is weakness in you. But, فَإِن So if يَكُنْ He is مِنْكُمْ from you مِئَةٌ A hundred صَابِرَةٌ Patient. Meaning a group of hundred that is patient. يَغْلِبُ They will overcome مِئَتَيْنْ Two hundred. So now what's the ratio? One to two. وَإِنْ And if يَكُنْ He is مِنْكُمْ from you أَلْفٌ A thousand يَغْلِبُ They should overcome أَلْفَيْنْ Two thousand. How? بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ With the permission of Allah. اللَّهُ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ And Allah is with those who are patient. Allah is with those who are patient. When a person tries to be patient, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps him. Then Allah gives him victory. But in these ayat, basically, what do we see? What do we learn? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects from a believer. What is expected from a believer? That he should be double than an average person in his accomplishments, in his patience, in his determination. A strong believer is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than a weak believer. So what is necessary? That we strive to get better and stronger every day of our lives. Think about it. If there are people who are working for this world, getting up at 5 o'clock, working long hours just to make their worldly home now, don't you think more effort is required from us so that we can have a worldly home here and also a home in Jannah? Think about it. We're aiming for more. So our effort should be more. Our striving should be more. Our resilience, strength, the effort that we put in should be much more. Because we want to accomplish more. And we have to. There's no other way. Let's listen to the recitation. وَلَا يَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا سَبَقُوا إِنَّهُمْ لَا يُعْجِزُونَ وَأَعِدُّوا لَهُمْ مَا اسْتَطَعْتُمْ مِنْ قُوَّةٍ وَمِنْ رِبَاطِ الْخَيْلِ تُرْهِبُونَ بِهِ عَدُوَّ اللَّهِ وَعَدُوَّكُمْ وَآخَرِينَ وَآخَرِينَ مِنْ دُونِهِمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَهُمُ اللَّهُ يَعْلَمُهُمْ وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ شَيْءٍ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ يُوَفَّ إِلَيْكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تُظْلَمُونَ وَإِنْ جَنَحُوا لِلسَّلْمِ فَجَنَحْ لَهَا وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ وَإِنْ يُرِيدُوا أَنْ 
يَخْدَعُوكَ فَإِنَّ حَسْبَكَ اللَّهُ هُوَ الَّذِي أَيَّدَكَ بِنَصْرِهِ وَبِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ إِنَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ يَا أَيُّهَا ஹஸ்புக்கல்லாஹுமனிபாக்கமீனல்முனீன் ஃபீக்கும்ப ஃபீக்கும்ஃபைனிபிஸ்ல்லாஹு மாசாபிரீ 